I'm going to make one apology on this episode. What's that? Well, given that everything we do, we're always pretty seamless once we decide to launch. We've not managed to skip a beat. However, since we recorded Season 3, Episode 1, it's been a good two months with <laughs> me going away with work for a while and Dan being in like the equivalent of some third world country with no actual internet that's not on his phone. It's been quite a while since we recorded. It has been. I've been sat here patiently clicking. Which did mean I was super excited to watch the first episode. Yeah, I'm drastically more educated now than I was then. (laughs) (laughs) I admit that I did my my homework very last minute, considering I've only had internet for like three days. So, Well, it just means it's fresh in the mind. That's it. I didn't get to do the bonus homework and watch episode two, but... Yeah, it was uh, season one, episode one, part one of a two-parter, which I did not realise until it just came up with the credits. <laughs> it was a little bit to be continued. Oh, that's good. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we are. Should we do the theme tune? Cue the theme tune. This week's episode of Remedial Nerding, the podcast where three nerds force each other to watch something that they really should have already seen. Your friendly neighbourhood nerds this week are Nathan, Dan and me, Paul. Remember, there's no such thing as a bad nerd. Right then, how do we begin one of these? Um, I think you traditionally say, hi, welcome to Remedial Nerding episode... Hello and welcome to Remedial Learning episode 33, or as we're now going to call it, series 3 episode 2. Yes, we've had a bit of a change since the uh, first episode of this series, just to make it a bit clearer with all our different series. This week it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, series 1, episode 1. Welcome to Hellmouth. I've forgotten how much I missed the opening theme tune to this programme. Did you do air guitar to it? <laughs> yeah, it probably took me back. The exceptionally 90s. Oh, everything sequence. That was my thing from this whole episode: is everything is super nineties. It is so dated. It is gloriously dated, and there are so many Hawaiian shirts over t-shirts. It's amazing. Well, the fact that Xander is skateboarding to school and does the stereotypical <laughs> look at the hot girl and hit a barrier, and Cordelia in particular has a lot of nineties vocab. Yeah, there is a lot of nineties teen vocab slammed into this episode. Uh, what, what's the sitch? The first two notes I have after the credits end is stop skateboarding on the pavement, you dick. Got what was coming to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that character is Xander, apparently. Or as I called him, Xander Washburn. <laughs> <laughs> Having a crossed out skateboard dick is his original name. <laughs> Good old skateboard dick. I've now realised I've made a mistake. Have you? Only one. Well, as once Nathan pointed out this was the first part of a two-parter, I've, I then thought, well, I've got a bit of time this afternoon. I'll watch the second part. And now I can't remember if some bits were from the first or the second part. Oh, rookie mistake. Well, it was a rookie mistake. However, there's an important bit. I think it is from the second one that sums up Willow's character and the early 90s or mid 90s quite well where she takes to the fledgling internet and hacks into the council to get the uh, like the plans for the sewers for Sunnydale <laughs> that, that is definitely in the second episode but yeah it's very 90s because everyone that owned a PC was a hacker 
you can hack the government from your school library. Well, I'm pretty sure that was going on in what, 1982 when War Games came out. <laughs> I'm just now wondering why they had plans of the sewers on their city council website. And if so, why weren't they just public anyway? Or maybe they were and she was just <laughs> you know, picking up, exaggerating the prowess. Maybe, maybe. I hacked in the sense that I right-clicked on them. <laughs> anyway, we've got we've gone off topic already. Way too far. Way too yeah, we're talking about an episode I haven't even seen, <laughs> and I'm guessing Dan hasn't either. In the sense that he texted us to say, "Don't start recording yet." I'm still watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit behind. So I've got the episode running alongside Skype at the minute, just to refresh myself as we go. I thought the dream sequence was very dreamy. It was very dreamy. It'd be interesting to see if the elements for it were the kind of retconned it back into the first episode having filmed the rest of the series or if they just found all sorts of weird symbology because I'm pretty sure there's some Hindu symbology in there yeah I think there's some random symbology in there but I think there are a lot of scenes that are especially from the first episode so the vampire book that Giles puts on the desk is in there there's carrying the torches in there yep Luke carrying the torch the master as well yep the master is in there all the vampires as they're walking across the um, graveyard to Willow and Xander. So there are definitely lots of images that they put in from filming, along with just some other random religious symbology. Yeah, random occult-looking stuff as padder. Yeah, because, you know, Hindu gods are definitely a cult. But also not necessarily that recognisable to a 1990s American audience, especially not a teenage one. Very true. When did this air in the UK? Was it pretty much contemporary? About a year later, I think. It was a bit of lag at that time, but it wasn't years later, that's for sure. I suppose the passage of time is less significant than the difference in what schools are like in California compared to the UK. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, schools in California might, well, wherever Sunnydale's supposed to actually be, might be like that now. <laughs> that's for all we know. I mean, they still drive around in those school buses, which just look like big yellow death traps to me. Pretty sure that Sunnydale is in California in the, the settings of the show. I don't know if there is actually a Sunnydale in California. Yeah, she, she refers to having been in Los Angeles previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she definitely moved from from LA. I have a lot of questions about how the vampire slaying infrastructure works, which I should probably just save until I've seen a couple more episodes. Because it's implied at one point that she's the only one, and also is not very interested in doing it anymore. Yeah, that's pretty much how it works. But then there's this whole organisation that watches the Slayer and trains the Slayer and advises the Slayer. Just does talk about it when he's about your one girl in all the world is chosen. Yeah, which is she you know, routinely taking day trips to, for example, northern Mexico? <laughs> no, it all happens in Sunnydale. Are you only safe from vampires within an hour's commute distance of central California? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but that's where the Hellmouth is. Okay, you're asking about when it aired. The first episode aired in the US in March 97 and then aired on BBC Two in, on the 30th of December 98. So it was actually almost two years behind. And it's strange to think that it was that late in the 90s as well. Yeah, I was going to say that because that's, that's feel more contemporary. Well, yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. I mean, we, we started secondary school in, what, 95? So it was only three years after that. So we hadn't even started GCSEs. <laughs> it could just be that we are really old, and for us, the noughties don't exist, and the 90s were only actually six years ago. Well, I think the problem was, I don't know about you guys, but I spent most of the noughties drunk. <laughs> yeah, you did. Now, that's something I found very odd about this, skipping around in the timeline. 
when they go to the bronze, which is the only club to go to. They're 16. What clubs in America would let 16-year-olds just go in and party when they can't drink for another, what, five years? You notice that nobody ever has an alcoholic beverage at the bronze. They're all drinking coffee or soft drinks. So I think the bronze is actually an under-21s club, and they just have local up-and-coming bands playing and probably shut at, like, 1030 I'm going to say personally, I love that <laughs> <laughs> I love the old guy with his little beard and his three-quarter lengths with elasticated <laughs> bottoms. Now, here's a thought. He said in uh, The Walking Dead, you know, Night of the Living Dead is not something that happened. Yeah. And in Watchmen, there were no, no comic book heroes. Do you reckon in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there was no Scooby-Doo? <laughs> no, because they referenced the Scooby gang. I know, but I think, I mean... Why else would the vampires prey on the kids? Because they would have got away with it if it wasn't for those meddling kids. If they'd just picked on your bored housewives and small children or the elderly, they'd have got away with it and no one would have ever stopped them. But no, they picked on the teenagers and the teenagers beat them. Because everyone knows teenagers' blood tastes better than old people's because it's not contaminated and some are virgins. And if movies have taught us anything, the blood of virgins is tastier than anything. Always the virgins that die first. Someone does refer to Willow as being, quotes, fresh. And I did wonder if that's what we were meant to take away. (laughs) (laughs) I I did take that away from that, yes. I'm 99.999% sure that is exactly what they were talking about. (laughs) I'm amazed these vampires get away with anything ever because they, along with everyone else, is shockingly slack in their schemes. Like, oh, I've just killed someone in a school. What will I do? Put them in the nearest receptacle <laughs> and just leave them there. The scene where the guy falls out of the locker, going back to the serious amount of teenage 90s talk, about how many abbreviated words were shoved into those sentences. But at least it was just an abbreviation rather than text speak and devouling everything. That's, that's true. Also, no one, no one says YOLO at any point. Goddamn millennials. I think technically that we're millennials. Another example of someone being bad at their schemes? In the Bronze Club, which we've already discussed, Giles is there for reasons that he explains but I'm not entirely buying, but then proceeds to just shout his top-secret information at the top of his voice. Englishman in Tweed turns up with a bunch of 16-year-old teenagers (laughs) at a dry club. Okay, that pretty much screams paedophile. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, when he's chatting to Buffy and she's stood against her and he gets right close up to her ear just to whisper, at least you're not having the nightmares. And it's like, yeah, that's slightly creepy. <laughs> In hindsight, <laughs> kind of creepy. I'd forgotten how much of a colossal bitch Cordelia was, particularly to Willow. Yeah, the, yeah. the stereotypes in this are all super broad. <laughs> you can, you're meant to identify your stereotype early on. <laughs> Oh yeah, as far as I'm concerned, the hero of the story is Willow and everyone else is an ancillary character. I say this as a fellow Hufflepuff slash Ravenclaw. <laughs> you can't be in two houses. I've given this much more thought than you probably want to go into. <laughs> is that a, a tangent, is it? Let's not, because I definitely could, but then we'd get a lot of feedback from other people who have given it even more thought than I have. Look, we've already made my position on the Harry Potter franchise entirely clear. Excessively clear, some might say. Yeah, well, we're about 20 years too old. (laughs) 
It sounds really bad, but I was reading a really good bit of fan theory today on Harry Potter. No, this is not a Harry Potter podcast. <laughs> I know, but it was really good. I'll tell you later. But it was really I, I was going to say, I will delete your Harry Potter fanfic. There's it wasn't no space fanfic. for fanfic. It was, it was just a fan theory. There was no fanfic. There was no Hermione cat porn going on. It was just... <laughs> anyway, I digress. Was it on par with Merry and Pippin erotica? I don't know. I've not seen any Mary and Pippin erotica. We've started, we've started this season off well. It can only we have. go up from here. Oh, no, it can't. There's definitely, definitely down we can go. <laughs> anyway, given that this came out, what, ten years before Firefly? Yeah. You can see a lot of the same kind of elements, especially as you were saying, Nathan. Xander is... There's a lot of wash in his character. Yeah. Obviously, the portrayal's quite different, but... There is a big difference between them, and I mean, a lot of that's the energy that the actors bring to the part, or the energy, the style they do. But yeah, definitely in some of his um, awkward muttering to himself moment asides, was very reminiscent of what Wash gets given later. Hmm. Xander's kind of the equivalent to the stereotypes again, I suppose. He's he's torn between the nerds and the cool people. He kind of wants to be cool, but kind of gets on better with the nerds. He's a proper in-betweener. Yeah, just less doing fashion shows with his balls out. <laughs> he is also a uh, beneficiary of incredibly slack scheming insofar as he overhears the whole exposition scene from Giles because he just didn't check if anyone else was in the room before he started spouting out the secret law. Right, and then his big plan was to walk past Buffy and go, oh, hey, I hear you're the slayer. Yeah, well, the next line was going to be, you can slay me anytime. <laughs> Maybe I'll see you at school because we go there. But then he does sum up most teenage boys in that situation. Kind of wants to be cool around the new girl at school and just failing miserably. So Xander's pal, Jesse, remind me, does he survive this episode or is he dead? Well, the, the full part, the full episode, for anyone that is going to watch the second half, uh, no, he does not survive. <laughs> so the, the kind of the cliffhanger at the end of the episode is that Jesse's gone missing in the company of the vampires. And Buffy is basically oh, we better go rescue him then. See, I stopped watching at the end of part one, which ends with a... Cliffhanger, everyone surrounded. <laughs> a very rapey cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, that's... That it did make me uh, have a serious thought, which was just... Maybe we shouldn't have dug too deep in this. Yeah, I mean, vampires or not, you probably shouldn't be hanging out with strangers in a graveyard. <laughs> skip forward to that end scene, though. When she Dala's just had her ass kicked and Luke's picked her up by the back of the neck. Rather than just throwing her across the room, why doesn't he just bite her? You know? Why doesn't he do it then? Because then the episode would be over. He had numerous occasions in that fight where he could have just bitten her and it would have all been over or snapped her neck rather than throwing her around the room. It comes down to vampire arrogance. There's so many things like that you can say about lots of different series, though. It would have ended the series straight off. That's very true. But Well, that was a short series. Good work, everyone. It's all right. Willow now takes up the mantle. The same could be said about uh, Hamlet. This week I've been reading a uh, book by Ryan North, which is called To Be or Not To Be, Hamlet, Prince of Denmark, in the form of a choose-your-own-adventure book. <laughs> okay. And one of the very first options after you've um, encountered the ghost of Hamlet Senior, I think he's called, is in order to go and kill your uncle, turn to page this, to go and soliloquise on the battlements and then go home for a nap, turn to page this. One of those two options being the one that actually happens in the the play Shakespeare and leads you on to the you know, remaining four acts of the play. The other of which just goes, 
Oh, it turns out he's drunk in the hallways. This is going to be easy. <laughs> Turn to page 65. You don't even feel guilty afterwards. The end. <laughs> Highly recommend that book, by the way. The author's also written a follow-up, which is based on Romeo and Juliet, called Romeo and or Juliet. <laughs> anyway, book corner is over. I love how Giles couldn't be any more stereotypically English if he tried. Oh, he wanted to go home for Bovril and a book and a nap. Who drinks Bovril? Yes, I'd like a cup of your finest cow, please. Anyone in Scotland, I think? Yeah, for people who don't know what Bovril is, I think basically if you imagined the process of making instant coffee but made it instead with beef. <laughs> yeah, it looks a bit like Marmite slash Vegemite, except it's not made from brewer's yeast, it's just made from cow residue. <laughs> this just sounds so bad. I've been trying to think of a, a third point on a triangle where one end is a roast dinner and the other end is Armus the Skin of Evil. <laughs> I'm not sure what's on the third point, but Bovril's in the middle. <laughs> Good, that's the uh, the back reference to either Star Wars or Star Trek complete, so that's <laughs> that's one of our two two main tropes done. Just to make sure you get something wrong at some point, Nathan. I'd be amazed Which if I haven't already it? done that. <laughs> It'd be interesting to know what the budget was for these episodes. And you sure we can't just turn to the magic that is Saint Google and the we could do, wisdom? But I can't can't be asked to reach my hands out and pick up my keyboard and type it. Well, I mean, the issue also is it's going to tell you a number in dollars, and you're then going to think, is that a lot for a forty-five minute TV program <laughs> in the mid nineties? Because I have no idea what that costs. And the other problem would be your cost assessment might be very different now to say six months ago. That's very true. Given the uh, the volatility of the currency at the moment. It didn't look especially cheap. I mean, the special effect. there were a couple of special effects. Someone gets staked into dust at one point. Mostly people transition from human form to vampire form with a cut so that you don't have to animate it happening. But there's one scene where it happens on camera, I think. You can see they just saved that by doing it as a cut rather than a transition. Saving the CGI. Yeah. The dust looks pretty good, considering it's a an old 4x3 PAL conversion. Yeah. Especially then watching that on a you know, 1080p display. It's like, uh, this is, what, about an eighth of the screen size hmm. and square. Hmm. But actually, it upscaled quite well, I thought. So it seems like watching it on my phone while I was doing the dishes was not too far from the intended experience. Yeah. Oh, here's another super creepy bit with Buffy and her first encounter with Angel. Hmm. Who just comes across as a really creepy dick? <laughs> But then, to be fair, Buffy is just walking on her own down a dark suburban street on the way to the bronze. Yeah, all I know about him is that he had a spin-off series later. Did indeed. And is not entirely an antagonist, but maybe a bit of one. So IMDb lists the budget as 2.3 million estimated, but it doesn't state whether that's just that whether that's all seven seasons total. Oh god, that definitely won't be all seven seasons. Even in the mid nineties. You wouldn't have paid all the production crew, let alone the the, the cast, on that. Yeah, you had several outdoor sets, and just lighting a, a night scene outdoors is pretty hard. Hmm. What had Joss Whedon done before this? I'm just thinking, was this a directorial debut? I really hope it comes back with uh, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, because I really want to watch that again. I've never seen it, and I definitely need to watch it. Anyway, the Wikipedia article on Joss Whedon has uh, early work, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I see. So he did all right, then, to win his way to the helm of this. 
He'd been a staff writer on Roseanne, Parenthood. He'd done writing work on Speed, Waterworld, X-Men. His work on Alien Resurrection actually predated Buffy. Oh, there we go. Alien Resurrection came out in 97, so at the same time as Buffy came out, and he'd obviously done that work a a while before. I feel like we ought to watch Waterworld, since we've seen Mad Max. I, I thought it was a bit overly maligned. I quite enjoyed Waterworld. Yeah, I think that's the critical consensus is slowly drifting back towards Waterworld from worst thing in the world ever to it's basically fine. I think the problem with it was, in terms of value for money, it was enormously expensive for a film that was... Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> it's like the exact opposite of Mad Max. <laughs> and that Mad Max is a film that was all right, but cost 5p to make. It made a huge amount of money. <laughs> oh, I've just got to the band. Man, it's full of... Baggy shirts and mullets and... Oh, it's baggy shirts and cargo shorts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Three-quarter length with elasticated bars. Oh, and a, and a like, mini mosh pit. And it's a full-on full on emo band. I would describe it very much as We Heard Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Considering it's meant to be a club, there doesn't seem to be anyone over 16 in that club, except for the guy in the band. And Giles. Ed Willow sat at the bar eating chocolate. Yeah. It is, a, it is a milkshake and coffee bar. With a grunge band, as you do. <laughs> yeah. With a grunge band and... Well, as you did in the 90s, I, I, I can't imagine O'Campton having anything like that in the uh, mid-90s. <laughs> I imagine O'Campton ever having anything like that. Well, that's true. I mean, O'Campton is a town with no redeeming qualities. They wouldn't even let us have a skate park for years because it would attract trouble because children would be out of the house... I guess we were also roughly at the point in the episode at which I sent you a text saying, Willow is into dudes, question mark? Yes. <laughs> a, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. Well, I mean, for one thing, I thought she was played by Felicia Day, so we're already quite far from canonical. Well, that's true. I mean, I think you managed to get one cast member correct. <laughs> to be fair, it's not a bad guess, because Felicia Day is a well-known geeky redhead and has really strong ties with Josh Whedon. So, you know, it's... It's a fair fair guess. I think Alison Hannigan did quite well to shake off the whole geek image from this and the American Pie films to then do like, How I Met Your Mother. Hmm. I, I was, when I was watching it and the, the cast was cycling through, I was trying to think out of who in the cast had the best outcome from it. I disregarded Anthony Head because no, he was a well-established actor to begin with. David Brannis, he's obviously still really big. Now he's got bones going on and that is huge. Yeah, that's he's a really in the mix. Um, Alison Hannigan had a string of movies and How I Met Your Mother, which is huge. And everyone else just kind of stopped. I couldn't place them in much else. No. I mean, Sarah Michelle Gellar did some movies. She concentrated on her family more than her acting career. I mean, obviously, Chris McCarpenter went on to do The Angels spin-off as well, which was big in its own right. But after that, I don't recall seeing her in much. No, I don't. I'm kind of curious to know whether Anthony Head came on board because he thought it was a fun project or because they offered him lots of money. <laughs> that would be a very good question. There is a stereotype in Hollywood that British actors are extremely mercenary. <laughs> really? Yeah, which is why... Um, I mean, it's probably influenced by things like when you want to add gravitas to your ridiculous film, you get a British actor in who's previously done Shakespeare or something. Yeah. Which is why Chronicles of Riddick includes Dame Judy Dench in it. <laughs> playing possibly a necromonger. I'm not really sure if that's true, but I know there are necromongers in that film. No, she, there were necromongers, but she wasn't. She was an air elemental. 
Well, there you go. Which was never explained at any point in that, yeah. No, it, it, it was physical air in some way. Yeah, that was very good at math and probabilities, and so predicting the future. It was, yeah. I haven't seen any of those films, but I love that they exist. I love that they exist simply because he wanted to make them because he is a massive geek. Yeah, it was like at some point there was a meeting or a series of meetings in an afternoon where the studio was saying, right, Fast and the Furious is a colossal hit. We absolutely have to lock up all the talent. Um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson wants $65 million in a yacht. Vin Diesel wants $65 million and for us to make films out of his D&D campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually watched him play D&D um, when they were doing all of the uh, like the press stuff for the Witch Hunter movie. He went and met up with some of the, the Geek and Sundry guys and actually played D&D as a Witch Hunter. It was <laughs> kind of surreal. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. I think it's, I think it's actually titled... Um, like. D and Diesel. <laughs> that has got to be an intense experience because he's yeah. an intimidating man, I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> go and look for it. It's fantastic. But I think we need to now add Pitch Black and the Two Chronicles of Riddick film and The Last Witch Hunter to a season somewhere. There are four films that you've just got to watch. Yeah, they are good films. In, in a bit the same way that Waterworld's a good film, in that you know, they're quite fun to watch if you don't expect too much out of them. They're popcorn films, but we've digressed again. We have, just what I've got on screen at the moment, Buffy's gone vampire hunting out the back of the bronze, and she's just about to nearly stab Cordelia in the chest. Casually snaps the leg off a chair to turn to a steak. Yeah. I did notice there was a bit later on when she's fighting Luke, and he just casually squeezes the steak and snaps it in half. It's like good. It's a good job that wasn't made of polystyrene then. <laughs> it's a bit like the Gorn picking up the polystyrene rock and bouncing it off William Shatner. I liked when she went to go and find a dead body in the locker room and had to rip the door open because the door that the lock went into actually broke. You could see where the door ripped the other door apart as she wrenched it open. It was like, that's a nice little touch. Rather than just have her rip the door open and go, yeah, the door's open. It's like, no, the door broke. I like that when uh, she's after just put Cordelia down and disappeared. Cause he was like, "I have to phone everyone I've ever met right now." <laughs> Again, so nineties. Must not take out mobile phone, WhatsApp, everyone. I must call. Her. Who calls nowadays? <laughs> Your phone can make calls. <laughs> I think Nathan's fallen asleep. I can see why you'd think that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just speculating on whether or not I think. Cordelia is going to become a supernatural antagonist, remain a just basic high school antagonist, or be brought into the Scooby gang somehow in a kind of, um, like that character in Scrubs, whatever her name was, Jordan, who started out as an antagonist but then got loads of funny lines so the audience liked her and they made her a protagonist. Now, Scooby gang, is that something you you remember? Or have you just picked up that Dan used the term earlier? No, yeah, just from what Dan said. I think I came up with the comparison to Scooby-Doo at some point because it was Teens Investigating Mysteries and thought, felt really proud of myself until I learned that that was just something they just called themselves. Yeah. I can't remember when they started calling themselves that, but they do. Yeah. I suppose the thing to bring up now is, did you enjoy the viewing experience? I'm really glad you made me watch this because I had been having a <laughs> not great week for various reasons. And so it was a an absolute delight to turn on something incredibly broad and campy and ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't take itself too serious at any point, does it? No, certainly doesn't. No. Just watching the exchange between the master and Luke, it's like, bring me something to eat. 
something young. Well, they got, is he played by, uh, oh, what's the guy that does Crystal Maze? Richard O'Brien. That's it, Richard O'Brien. It's like something out of Rocky Horror Picture Show, just in, incredibly camp. Yeah. But also very evil. Yeah, the, the cliffhanger to the episode is all about Voldemort, as I called him, the master apparently, which I'm pretty sure is a Doctor Who character, but it's not crosswise any further. Yeah, plotting something called The Harvest, which I thought was then going to be like the season six finale or something, but apparently season season one, episode two is called The Harvest, so I guess they wrap that up pretty quick. Short storyline. Did this actually air, or was this one of the like pilot episodes? No, this aired. Okay. It was like the... A made-for-TV movie that wasn't ever shown on TV hmm. that's knocking around. Well, so I think this is meant to follow straight on from the movie, isn't it? So I think the movie ends with the school being burned down because it's full of vampires. Oh, okay. Set so just after that. That is one thing that I thought was unusual about the structure of this program is that the character doesn't become the Slayer in episode one. She says, oh yeah, I previously had a load of adventures, but I've decided not to anymore. Yeah, I, I think it's designed to roll straight on from that movie. That would explain it. He does still manage to hit a lot of the classic hero's journey bullet points, like meeting Obi-Wan and saying you can't go to Alderaan, <laughs> refusing the call and so forth. Finding the droid you're looking for. <laughs> I love the picture of what well, does the rounds on Facebook from time to time of the stormtrooper when he realizes they were the joints he was looking for. Just his head in his hands. <laughs> now, I, I really enjoyed going back and watching this. It was a nice trip down memory lane. There was lots of nostalgia. It was fantastically campy, fantastically dated. You know, it it's aged well, but not at the same time. We say it's aged and it's dated. It is very much of its time. Yeah. It's very 90s, and perfectly so. Yeah, it's perfectly nice, and it stands up still. So, yeah, I don't really enjoy it. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Yeah, me too. I'm probably going to go away and watch S1E2 for the second half of this story, but that's not the next episode we're doing, is it? No, it's not. The next episode we're doing is Pause for Effect. Pause for Effect works less well if we can audibly hear you clicking through your notes. Yeah, but I'm going to delete that bit. (laughs) Are you going to also delete me saying audibly here because that's another square on the, <laughs> the bingo where I use redundant words to make myself sound bigger. Wait, not bigger. Smarter. <laughs> well recovered. So next week is going to be S1E12 of Buffy, Prophecy Girl. So it's from the very beginning of the series 1 to the very end. To the very end. That is a, that's a big jump, but I don't think we lose much in the way of exposition. So I think if we can, if I might catch up on episode two before we skip through. But yeah, I don't think, I think there's a little bit, but I think we should be able to pick up the general gist of what's going on. Because I think there's a previously on. From your recollection, is this a kind of TNG situation where the first series is basically training wheels? And that's why there's only two episodes from it. Um, I think pretty much... I think that there is an overarching storyline, but I think it was very drawn out. I don't think they wanted to put all their eggs in one basket too soon. I think from this 15-episode list, though, there are 15 episodes from seven series. You're never going to really get more than two from a season. Good point. Just a quick look through. Uh, Episode three is a standalone. Episode four is a standalone. Episode five, uh, no, also standalone. Episode six, standalone. Seven, seven's fairly important. Eight, no, nine, no. I mean, I'm glad to hear that there's some uh, Monster of the Week type episodes because 
I was thinking about this, it went not to refer to it every single sentence I say, but again, the next generation. You get these best of lists, but the, the distillation of those episodes is quite different from the feeling of the series as a whole. Yeah. In that it goes from being an episodic adventure where people get into scrapes once a week and then resolve them into a program about Patrick Stewart having a breakdown. <laughs> if you only include the episodes where he gets turned into a borg or put in prison for a thousand years or something. <laughs> no, wait, that was Miles O'Brien. That was Miles, yeah. Yeah, series one, so we're watching, we were watching episode one at the moment. Next week will be episode 12. If you've got access to them and you've got time in between episodes two and seven, I would recommend. From what I remember of the, the first series, there's a lot of brooding, there's a lot of building, there's a lot of pussyfooting around with Angel and Buffy. Scooby Gang gets more involved, and there's lots of, well, there's a bit of character building to flesh them out, make them less 2D. But I think it, it does just build up the, the basic lore of Slayer. Yeah, it does. But each episode is very much standalone. There's a little bit of progression for each character, but the main bit is seven, is some of the character interactions and relationships is the main one that'll fill the gap between 1 and 12 <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm I've reached the theme tune yeah I was going to say from the now rapid movement of your head in a banging motion you've reached the theme tune <laughs> to help our viewers that can't see Paul imagine a, a monkey in the zoo furiously masturbating well done Dan way to end the second podcast in a row with lots of talk about <laughs> masturbation Grr, <arg. laughs> That's it for this week, peeps. Tune in next time for more remedial nerding.